Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. This show helps you learn, lean into endeavors that matter by leveraging your curiosity, engaging your courage, and cultivating your creativity. Are you ready to make a difference? This show helps you step into your what's next with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. This season is called Local Focus, and my guests are artists and creative entrepreneurs from in and around my hometown of Floyd, Virginia. These are friends and neighbors carving out a living in rural America with passion and purpose. I'm your host, Scott Perry. Learn more about me and my work at thecreativeonpurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest. Jane Avery, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where we can connect with you to learn more. All right. Well, that's a lot. Just <laughs> no. um, I am a potter and um, some would say ceramic artist. And there were times when I was more artistic now, pragmatic. Uh, I work down at the Roanoke Farmer's Market now instead of doing the craft fairs that I used to do all over the East Coast. The, uh, the energy required as I get older, um, it's so much simpler. And I love the farmer's market because I meet people from all over the country there. The informality is my thing. I'm not a formal artist kind of person. Um, but you can see in the background that face, that ceramic face, that was something I did way back uh, in another time of more artistic work. And that's a whole nother story about coming to Floyd. But anyways, um, so I am, uh, my name of my pottery is Blue Heron Pottery, and I named it back in the day when I was living up in upstate New York and needed to find a name for it, and I'm sitting on a hill, and this heron flies in, and I'm a bird lover, and it was, it just hit me, that's it, that's the name of my pottery, and you can get in touch with me um, through my website, it's blueheronpotterystudio.com. Fantastic. So you are one of the uh, longstanding kind of original wave of, of the alternative community that has come into Floyd County. Uh, you've been been here for, well, 38 you, uh, years, 38 years. There's that number 38. It comes up all the time. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So tell us. So you moved to Floyd from upstate New York. Just give us a little sense about what brought you to Floyd and, and how you were able to establish yourself as an artist in, in this corner of the universe. Well, um, it was an interesting process just becoming a potter. I was supposed to be a potter. I had started out in, uh, I went to Cornell University College of Agriculture, studied wildlife conservation Turned out I was the only girl in a class of over 90 boys and things just weren't quite clicking. Uh, I get to know the local department there, rural sociology. And that drew me because I realized my love of nature needed to somehow be connected to humans because we are part of a whole ecosystem. I learned more of that in the wildlife conservation but how to be a part of an ecosystem. And that meant understanding human culture and especially rural, because I definitely prefer a rural environment, even though I did some research in New York City and different places, but that was enough. Um, so I'm in that and I then I go and do my California dreaming <laughs> and then got into hiking up in the Rockies and at the top of one of those mountains that I realized, okay, we have to save this planet. How do we do it? And 
I realized I wanted to go back to college to try to learn that. And then I learned that they had started an environmental education department at Cornell University. So I go back, I apply, get in. But then what is really strange is I, it turns out I was the only student in the department. They had just started it. Didn't know what it was about. Their ideas of what I could do with it just didn't click with me. Oh, make posters for a park. Yeah. I don't know. Um, And then I got to know some, some, I got a whole new crowd of friends during that time and got to know the craft community. And because I was kind of bored with and confused about my work on this master's, um, I go into the student craft shop there at Cornell just to play. And that is the story that Mm -hmm. I want to emphasize. Because I went in there and did not take being a potter seriously at all, I let myself play. And I have to show you, I came up with a conversion of this. And it was because I I used to make clothes all the time for a I I worked at a fabric store out in Berkeley and did all the, the hippie clothes and all that. But I discovered that the clay, when you roll it out flat, is like a soft canvas. Mm-hmm. Give it textures. They had just a piece of burlap, but I gave it burlap and I thought, oh, I'm gonna make something fun for my plants in my apartment. And the professor looked at it and he said, you know, wow, you've got something there. And it kind of triggered something in me. And I started to get to know some local artisans and then discovered there was a kind of pottery commune, literal commune outside of Ithaca. And over the course of about a a year, I made that transition from letting go of my master's because I finished my courses, but the the professors kept inviting me to his cabin by the lake to work on my thesis. Yeah, right. No way. And so I, I, that confusion led to draw, being drawn. And that's what I love about the purpose of, of what you're doing, Scott, because it's about recognizing a part of yourself at times that may not have shown up in the beginning. I was all about do, 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 and definitely more left brain. And then my right brain was screaming. And the creative part of me was saying, you've got to do this, Jane. This is so much freer and open and you can do whatever you want. So I joined this commune and the potter there, this was called Hubbard Hill. Outside, It was in a little town outside of Ithaca. Um, he knew how to translate making pottery into a livelihood. That's something they don't teach you at school. And I worked because it was a true commune and that was interesting. We pooled any money we made and everybody, we all lived together in very simple ways and wood fire stove and this is up in upstate New York, it gets cold. And we had no electricity or running water. We would carry water from springs and uh, we had no telephones. We knew how to do it in our own way. And so there were two big lessons there. One was, how to trust your own hands and your own creative thinking to evolve into something that you can actually live in in a way of hands-on. Yes, I could actually make a living being a potter, but also the environmentalist in me recognized that I could live this way. I could live very simply 
and close to the land and be tuned into it in a way that really worked. So that was the beginning. And then what was interesting was I met the man who would become the hus my husband at the time and uh, father of my children. And um, he really was totally supportive of the pottery world, even though he didn't do it, but he was big on agriculture and, and growing our own food and all of that and cutting the firewood and all that. Um, so he was very supportive. And um, when I had my first baby, I realized, you know, I might want a telephone <laughs> to have some running water. <laughs> And uh, so the pragmatics of living with a kid, um, there was a, a friend of mine who was rent, uh, renting a house that she didn't want to live in anymore. And it, it was from a, a former potter and it had a kiln. And so we went out and rented that house. And then she found out that we were starting to do the craft fairs down in the Carolinas because they were more practical. And she said, oh, on your way back from one of those fairs, you should stop in this little county that's just on the way. Well, it was Floyd County. Interesting. She knew a local potter here, Ellen Shankin, who um, she said, you got to stop and see her. So we did. And there we got introduced to a whole world of people who were starting to live off their, their craft but in a way that worked financially because living in Floyd back then was very cheap. And um, what really surprised me being, I'm a Yankee, what am I doing as far as South? I realized I felt more at home here than I'd felt anywhere. What? And, and it's that kind of feeling that made us, start to, we ended up moving down near Floyd and, and renting an old farm until we could actually find a place in Floyd. But then that's another story. We were visiting a friend from this commune in New York, wife of one of the jewelers who was a part of the commune. She was visiting some friends of hers down here and in Floyd. So we come to visit Floyd again. We come to visit her in this house. I walk in and I realize it's home. And mm. that is literally the house I'm living in. That is really interesting. What a fascinating story. There's so many things to pull, threads to pull on there. The first though is I wanna go all the way back to just the beginning of, of your journey as Potter because for young people that are watching, you know, we have this, this, uh, this idea that, you know, the path is already kind of laid out for us. You're going to do well in high school, then you're going to go to college, you're going to do well in college, then you're going to go get a job. And it's, you just have this, it's like, there's a clear line, a clear mm -hmm. destination. And if, when you talk to people that have been through that journey so many times, we don't end up anywhere near where we were. I was going to be a, a school teacher for the rest of my life. And although I do teach, I am a guitar instructor, not a not a, a history teacher, um, and you know it's important I think to have goals and, and have an intended destination. But it's also what I love about what you said was this idea of play and possibility, and you have to be willing to play with um, the things your interests, and you have to be open to the possibility that there may be other opportunities and other 
things that will pique your interest and new directions or pivots or whatever. And you should be open to that because we don't really know where ultimately we'll find the most fulfillment until we, as you articulated, kind of step into that possibility. And then we trust our instincts and intuition to understand that this just kind of feels right. And I love, um, I want to dive a little bit into the, the art and car- commerce thing, because this is for, for people that are amateur artists, they like to think that art for art's sake is what it's all about. But of course, if you're going to make a living from your art, if you're going to be an artistic entrepreneur, <laughs> you at some point have to contend with um, the, the business side of things. And so I'd love to talk about that. But the other thing that I just love about what you just said was that although you've throughout this journey from upstate New York to Floyd, you were, you know, relying on your instincts and your intuition, but it sounds to me like at the same time, you had a lot of it, you were pursuing these interests with a lot of intention and that you were, had a lot of integrity. You knew who you were and what was important to you, what, what the, your values were and, and what was okay and what was not okay. And I just, I think that, you know, that part of it is really fantastic. So let's dive a little bit next into just, um, you know, the art and commerce thing in broad um, strokes, but I mean, it's, as I know too, as a musician making a living in rural America, it's just, it's harder here. There's not as many people, there's not as many opportunities, not as many venues, Um, you know, the the seasons such as they are shorter. Uh, so how did that part of things play out for you, turning, turning this enterprise that was kind of uh, your, your passion and love for pottery and turning it into something that you could maintain your passion for, but with the intention of making a living from it? Well, it's interesting because, um, again, I started out sort of on the pragmatic side because of the help of the uh, potter up in this commune, uh, how to get to the craft fairs, what kind of craft fairs were. And going to craft fairs was very informative because it showed me what people wanted or didn't want or were drawn to in work, but then particularly my work and uh, the uniqueness of my work because I press lace on clay and I'll make mugs that have lace impressions and platters and, you know, pretty much functional work. But what was interesting was when Many of us first came to Floyd. There was a woman here in Floyd who I learned later was the number two art teacher of the Floyd High School public schools way back. And she had by then retired, but she was um, working with, or she was in the process of getting there, but she had started a little gallery, which she called the Old Church Gallery. She turned it Old Church into an art gallery. And she recognized in us newcomers the artist in us. I would never have used that word about me because, yeah, I'd learned a craft, but I was a hands-on person and I was a, you know, do this, 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 this kind of thing. And I knew my work was creative, but I kept associating it with the fine art and thinking, no way, it's not that at all. And she invited us to do a um, display in her old church gallery And it was basically about masks and faces in different ways. And I thought, what, do a face? Well, I, in the meantime, 
during that time when I was thinking about it, I happened to be going to Washington, D.C. I think it was outside of another craft fair. I went to the African Museum of Art in Washington. And I highly recommend that for anybody because I walked in there and I saw the most meaningful, vibrant sculptures I had ever seen in my life. And they had not had art classes Mm. coming from their own cultural recognition of what was inside them. And the fact that this whole museum was about the art of human beings who were finding that part inside themselves without the high education really changed me. It gave me permission to just do whatever. So when I came back, I started playing with clay and sculpture. And it was an incredible process. The clay I would speak to me. I'd have an idea. And I'd start it, and then the clay would say, no, you can't do that one, uh, but try this. And, and then I would, and then a whole new idea would come up, like, oh, I could do this, and I could do it this way. And, and it's like when I started making those faces, they became people. Mm-hmm. And I began seeing these personalities and these, these, these beings just coming out of my hands. And it was like, wow, who are you, you know? And just asking that, who are you, was an internal as well as external question. And I was discovering things about myself that I never knew before. And I think the the thing that, again, I want to share so much is that it wasn't about the high education. That can give you a lot. There's nothing wrong with it in any way. But it may not be the direction that your inner being wants to go. But I will say the education I did get uh, on rural sociology and even later when I was working on the master's in environmental education, um, that was fun because I had enough education courses to be able to qualify for teaching GED here in Floyd for a little while. And that was, to me, getting to know a whole nother part of Floyd, which I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. But I share this kind of story and that would inspire the young and older students who are trying to get their high school degrees. But um, the thing, and then and what's interesting about getting a degree in rural sociology is a group of us people, newcomers who had been here over 20 years, were starting to wonder how uh, the old timers were really feeling about us newcomers and the changes that Floyd had gone through. And it popped into my head, oh, it'd be so great to do some kind of a survey to do this. And I mentioned that to somebody, a friend, and she said, oh, you should go to Virginia Tech. They, they have a social department there. And maybe they'd be into it. I didn't realize they were a land-grant college, which the Cornell Ag School was too. And they were required to do those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I go to them and the professor is looking at me and he says, so you're a potter? Why are you interested in this? Explain kind of, Oh, well, I got my undergraduate degree in rural sociology, thinking he think that was a little weird. And he said, oh, really? Where? And I said, Cornell College of Ag. And he said, oh, that's the best in the country. I didn't know that. So that was cool because then he had looked at me and then he paid attention. And by then I'd been in Floyd long enough to get to know the local power structure of Floyd. I know it included like the Rotary Club and the churches and the the old time families. So 
the organizations, we invited them to come together with us to bring up the questions they had that we could put on the survey. I was blown away by how many people showed up and the kinds of questions they had. And then at the end of it, I said, don't remember, go make sure your clientele, your congregation, whatever, if they get it in the mail, to answer it. Because a lot of people would just throw it out if something like that came in the mail. And according to Virginia Tech, it is the most successful one they've ever done. Wow. Survey can be found in the Floyd County Library now. It's almost 10 years old now. It is 10 years, over 10 years now. That's, Very formative. Yeah, well, this is there's some, some really interesting things. The first thing is that this whole idea of learning by doing, which is how human beings have always created, is, um, you know, we, we, we didn't set up schools and then start creating. We created and then the schools eventually, the institutions pick up and create curriculums and, and, um, and so forth, which is, and, I, and I'm, I'm with you, you know, a, a formal education in the arts can be very, very, very helpful. Um, but the real power in any creative enterprise is, is putting your, your art into the world yeah. and, and doing it and, and paying attention. I also love the way that you, I, I love the way that you shared kind of a very strategic approach for how you're going, how, how you're putting your art into the world by being intentional and mindful about what craft fairs you were going to go to where they were located and making sure that you're putting your art in front of people that were likely to be uh, inspired or, or to connect with it. That's, you know, the, this idea sometimes that artists have that all I have to do is show up with my art and the world will, um, will recognize my genius. That just is not so because your unique gift is not for everybody. And so you have to make, you have to honor the gift and the craft, and you have to put that art in front of the, the audience that needs to collide with it, and whose lives will be enhanced by it. So I, I love that too, and just that that idea uh, um, of leveraging your unique gifts as an artist. That we, we can't all make pots the way that you know. Well, there's there's you can't swing a, a cat without hitting a powder in Floyd County. So there's, but everybody's, everybody's work is very different. And what we don't need is, you know, Jane Avery didn't need to become the second Ellen Jenkins. Jane Avery, what the world needed was the first um, Jane Avery. But as we're coming towards the end of our time together, you've spoken around this and, and to this a couple of times already. And I want to kind of end here with this idea of community that one of the things that you and I both recognize about Floyd and what makes Floyd unique amongst other rural areas that have had an influx of um, outsiders moving in and, and staying um, is that the, the folks that were here, let's just call them the native population, even though there was obviously a native population here long before any of us got here, but um, you know that population uh, has been scraping a living out of the, the earth here for a long time. And then the folks that came in in the 60s and the 70s, um, you know, were interested in doing something similar, but um, in, a, in a new way. And then more folks move in. But what I really love about Floyd is, is that the native population, what you might call the alternative pop population, have always seemed to really appreciate, respect uh, each other and, and, be, have been able to communicate, connect, and collaborate um, 
so maybe just end by speaking to that that a little bit. Well, that's interesting that you even brought that up because I have thought about it, about what drew so many of us from all over the place here. That part of me that studied sociology, rural sociology, recognizes that the old mountain culture is still strong here. And when we came here, the local people, they were incredible musicians. They made their own guitars, their own fiddles. They, the local farmers could farm in these mountains, which is not easy. And the fact that they had created this wonderful place and environment and still the land was being saved and, and preserved and, and, and yet the practicality of living on it was all together. And that's what we wanted to be a part of. And I think what, what brought us together was that us outsiders honored the local culture in a way that I learned some of them were kind of ashamed of being rural poor. What? Hmm. And looking at that TV world and thinking that's what they were supposed to be. And we were, in my words, running away from Dick, Jane, and Sally world. We did not want to be a part of that world. Because we understood the superficiality of, of that suburban stuff. And um, so we came together with some really deep common interests. And I think that's what's brought Floyd to be what it is. I also have to share the one of the fun symbols of it is turning the old barn that was just dying out and the farmer uh, wanted to just sell the land and there wasn't enough land to even farm anymore. And, and it was right near the town. It was too close to the town to be a farm. And that's what we turned into an art center. Mm -hmm. I tell, I share with people, I, my claim to fame is I helped clean the pigeon poop off the rafters. <laughs> and then my friend, Ernest Bryan, helped clean out the, the cow the stalls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the fact that now when you drive by that art center, it is a barn surrounded by art. And that mixture of image represents the mixture of people, the, mm -hmm. the artists, and we're all together. We are farmers have to be very creative, very problem solving, very pragmatic, and so do us artisans. And um, I think that that mixture is what really creates the heart of Floyd. Yeah, what a beautiful, what a beautiful way to to end. Um, I of course don't drive past the art center. I drive to the art center every day because that's where yeah. my studio is, and and I'm. My studio is in one of those old cow stalls, which fortunately has yes. been. Thank you, Ernest, for doing such a good job cleaning that up. <laughs> so, Jane, I've, I've been ending this season with the same question for all of my guests, and I'd like to, to end here. What's one tip or piece of advice that you'd leave listeners that um, either aspire or want to advance in some sort of creative enterprise in which they want to fly a little higher and make more of a difference? What's one tip or piece of advice you'd give to them? I guess my favorite thing is let your right brain play. Because when you're not taking it too seriously and trying to make it look like this or look like that, it will come out of you in a way that sometimes you'd never imagine. It, mm -hmm. We all have something inside us that's ready to bloom. So let it bloom. 
I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Jane and I appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention. And we hope today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. You can learn more about Jane Avery at Blue Heron Studio. Is it Blue Heron Pottery Studios? Yes. Blue, Blue Heron Studio.com. Dot com. And of course, it's always great to see you at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Now, go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Jane Avery, thank you so much for your time and sharing your expertise with us today. Thank you, Scott.